Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. The church of Sardis had this shiny appearance, very appealing to the eye. Yet underneath, guys, underneath that shiny surface was death. Was death. You see, it was flavorless, and much like wax fruit, it contained no nourishment. You understand that I could have gotten there and I could have eaten all of that on the table and I would have not, I probably would have been sick more than anything. The church at Sardis was pronounced dead by Jesus. By Jesus. And some people in this church, well, where they're partially dead, right? They're, he's going to say, revive what's left. And, and, uh, you go, what do you mean partially dead? Well, some of them probably had that faint heartbeat. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. They're, they're not dead yet, but, but it's, it's going down, right? There's a chance for a revival. There's a chance for a revival. Now, for the most part, however, the church in general, the church in general, guys, um, it really was a morgue with a steeple. It was dead. It was dead. Remember we said, guys, that the seven letters in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation were real churches with real conditions. Now, if you're taking note, jot this down. The Lord says seven churches. Why not 12, Mike? Why not 15? Seven, I'll tell you why. Because seven is used often in Revelation. And it's not the number of perfection, but the number of completion. Completion. Okay? So when you look at church history for a second, all of the churches encompass all of church history. We have these chapters as a complete picture of church throughout history. Now listen, listen. We stay, we, we see stages of growth and decline as well as individuals in, is, in the church. We, we see that. Now, you, you would go, what do you mean? Now, stop. Look, wait, wait. Look, look at your own walk for a second because there are times when you are the church of Ephesus. You were on fire. And man, it was so good. And you're just like, oh, I was so... And, and there are times when there, you, were, you were the church of Smyrna and you felt persecuted. And there were times you were thyatire. You're just like, guys, we all feel like this. And this is a lot of our, our Christian walk. The older I get, Rosa, the reading it again, it just, it just so much more. You understand... It's, it, I, I've read it before, so if you've read it, you've read Revelation, and, and it's just illuminating because now we're going to compare that and we're going to mirror that, what's going on in the world, and you can see, well, wait a minute, I see what's happening, but I also see that could happen in my heart. You, that's happening in our hearts, guys, because what's happening to the world, I see in certain places there's revival, and in other places, I don't see any repentance. Jesus, it's the same thing. Yeah, oh, you know. Well, well, what do you feel? What do you guys think about the pandemic? What do you think? Uh, you know, we just we just move on. We just we'll just continue onward. So it's what we do. Mike just moved from Nevada. He's not texting yet. He got here as soon as he could, but it took you a while. But Texans have that. Well, we'll just we'll, we'll survive. But but but. Guys, think about it. Think about it. Because my Jesus comes down. Guys, he comes down and he, and, and, and Jesus comes to the church and he comes as the divine physician. He comes to the divine physician. And that's great. Can I get an amen? Okay. But he also comes as a divine coroner to pronounce the dead. And that trips me out. That blows my mind. Because I want Jesus to come in and heal my wounded heart. 
I want Jesus to come in and heal me, heal me from those areas, but I don't want the divine coroner. The church of Sardis, guys, was a lot like wax fruit. As a matter of fact, let's take it one step further. If you go to Tucson, they actually have trees that have fruit, but they don't taste well at all. They look like oranges, and I'm not sure what they, they, they call them, but you can see, and they'll grab them, they'll eat them, and they'll, they are horrible. They were not good for you. So where do we go? Well, this evening, guys, let me give you, if you're taking note, I want to give you a divine outline, okay? I want to give you an outline. Four spiritual revelations from this church, things that we can apply. Okay, four of them. So you want to jot these down. The Lord's going to come down, and he's going to first give a spiritual assessment. I think that's good, a spiritual assessment. My friend Soph always says, always do a spiritual inventory. That's what he means. Take inventory where you are with God. The Lord says to work out yourself. That's so cool. That's what the Lord does. He says, listen, let me tell you where you are with God. Let me tell you your spiritual. Let me give you the assessment. That's what he says. And then he says, oh, by the way, let me tell you what I found. And so he gives us a spiritual autopsy. Okay? He's going to look inside and go, oh, okay, here's what's happening. And then he's going to give a spiritual antidote. And then, last but not least, as he leaves this church, he's going to give a spiritual affirmation. Affirmation. Okay? Let me give those to you again. You have the spiritual assessment, verses, verse 1. The spiritual autopsy, verse 1 and 2. The spiritual antidote, 3 and 4. And then he's going to affirm spiritually, verses 4 to 6. You guys ready? Okay, jot this down. The spiritual assessment, let's say what he says. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. But you're dead. Jesus assesses this church. Here's his assessment. You're dead. Ready? Boom, boom. Boom, boom. That's what he's saying to the church. Now, he says to the angels. Remember that? That's that messenger. That's the pastor. Can you imagine? Guys, guess what? I went to the mailbox today, and I got a letter from Jesus. And I opened it, and he says, man. And he said to the angel. That's me, to the pastor, to the messenger. Of the church in Lubbock. He says, these things, and, and and he gives a description. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And he says, I know your works. Guys, he knows our works. He knows how we, we're here. He knows our works. And he says, check it out. He says, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Could you imagine? What? What? Lord, what do you mean? Well, let's, let's dig in. Let's dig in, guys. Because Jesus says, this is, guys, think about it. This is the first letter in which Jesus has nothing good to say. You understand, every time he, he disciplined, every time he opened the letter, he said to the letter, he said, here's, I know your works, you're doing this, you're doing this, I appreciate you, your faith. This is the first letter. He didn't say anything. Why? Well, let's do some work. We've got to do some work, okay? Let's talk about the city of Sardis, okay? Because the city of Sardis was one of the most important cities in Asia Minor. It was the capital of Lydia, and it was really the center for trade. So you had a lot of people coming in and out. It was also a military center, okay? So all of a sudden, man, it was like well attended. Sardis was located, man, right on the, if you will, the junction of the Royal Highway. So people went to Sardis. It was happening. It was going down, right? People would come from Ephesus. People would come from Smyrna. People would come from Pergamos. All the way through, and they would travel the road to connect all the inland of Asia Minor. This is where it was, okay? It was also very wealthy. It was wealthy, very well-to-do. Some of the earliest coins that were minted there, it was characterized by a loose, luxurious lifestyle. 
It was, it was Sardis, lifestyles of the rich and famous. Do you guys remember that? Some of you do, some of you don't. Some of you don't. It was the center, guys, for carpet and wool, garments. So, guys, lots of clothes. Lots of nice clothes going down there, right? Hey, Amanda, let's go this week. And we got some great clothes. Man, where are we going? Well, we're to Sardis, of course. Man, they got some great shops there, right? They, they make them there. We buy it locally. You guys understand what he's saying? He's just saying. And so they were known for the dyeing of wool, Okay. They were also very well known. Everybody knew about Sardis. Why? It was kind of the coolest places. It was one of the coolest places, okay? It had an acropolis. It had an acropolis, guys, with a huge large mountain next to the city, okay? An acropolis was nearly perpendicular rock walls, main roads, which formed impregnable fortresses on all sides. An acropolis had the temple of God to Artemis. I want to show you a picture if Josh can get it up there. Check this out. Okay, can, can you see this? You see that the very back is the Acropolis. You see the mountain. It was very beautiful. But this was the temple of Artemis. Artemis. It was like a cool place. I mean, think about this, guys. It's, it's, got, it's got fortified. You can see enemies coming in for days. I mean, and that's what it was. But you know what? Sardis? Also had, was also called, it was called a necropolis or a, guys, jot this down, graveyard. Graveyard. I don't have pictures. I didn't have time to get you pictures, but here's why. It was called the cemetery of a thousand hills. Okay. Okay. So Jesus just pronounced this church dead. And yet it's in a place where it's called a, a graveyard of a thousand hills. Listen, when somebody tells you, Rosa, man wrote the Bible, you say, no, there's no way he could, there's no way. There's no way. Why? Why was it called a graveyard or a necropolis? Here's why. Because for seven miles, guys, you could see the cemeterial with the burial mounds and tombstones. You could see for seven miles. Slayton, how far is Slayton from here? About four, five, 15? Half between here, you between here and Slayton, you could see from here all the way. Graveyards, graveyards. Hey, what are you guys doing next week? Want to come to my? Want to come to? You want to come to Sardis? Yeah, I'll show you where the graveyards are. Right. That I mean. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Why would they? Why would they boast on that? Here's why. Listen. The people at Sardis were so preoccupied with death and where they would be buried, they wanted to be seen even after they died. Okay, let, let's, let's take a step back because I really want to make you feel like, listen, listen. Sardis, the people in Sardis were so preoccupied with death. Even a step further, where, where am I going to be buried? I mean, listen, make sure, listen, make sure that people know where, where I'm down, where, I, where I'm buried. Okay? Now, now, now let's reel it back a little bit. Listen to me. We have to be so careful, church, because I think that's happening in our world today. People are so preoccupied with death that they're forgetting to live. Somebody, it, it trips me out when I hear somebody say, yeah, we're going on vacation. You can't go on vacation. We're in a pandemic. And, and it trips me out because I, I don't, you, you guys, how, you know where you get that, that little cloudy, like, nobody's going anywhere. The states aren't open. And what are we going to do? And, and we forget. Why? Because we're so preoccupied with death. We're forgetting to live. Now, listen to me. When we lock down somebody for 10 months and tell them they can't go anywhere, you're killing them anyway. Don't write me any letters. I'm telling you the truth. 
I'm telling you the truth. You cannot put two people in a house and stay in that house for 10 months. They're going to die. Why? Because God created us to be with people. God created us to see all of this stuff. God created us, guys, in such a way that he gave us eyes to see people smile. We can't see that anymore. We can't see that anymore. We don't know if they're smiling. We don't know if they're happy. We don't know. And it's, well, Ben, 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 so you're, no, no, no. Listen, I understand. Listen, I understand there's a real virus. I get it. Listen, there's people sick. People that I love have gotten sick. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is we have to be careful because like the church of Sardis, we're going to be so preoccupied. What I find interesting, guys, is that that the people were preoccupied. These people were, were, were so preoccupied with death, and I find interesting is they're doing this while they're living. Or while they're alive, they're constantly thought, they're thinking about death and where I'm going to be buried. Where I'm going to be buried. There are times that people will tell me, well, when I die, I want to make sure of this and this, and I go, okay. They're trying to control people from the grave, but you go, hey, you're not, you, you got it. Because they ain't going to be here anyway, are they? And I don't think we'll get to heaven and, 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 and somebody walk up to me and go, hey, I told you not to do that for my funeral. I saw everything, <laughs> you know? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, listen, when I leave this body here, good riddance. I mean, really? You know? What are you going to do? Does it matter? I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be dancing with Jesus. Up, Oh, man, it's going to be glorious. That's the goal. We're, guys, this is, this, is, this, is, this is where we are. This is where we're headed. But these people were concerned. Why? Well, before I jump into that, I want you to... I, I found another interesting point, right? What's that? Uh, in this Acropolis, see, the people of Sardis were so confident in their city that they would never be overtaken. Listen to me. They didn't put guards or watchmen on the wall. They didn't. They were so confident. They were like, "Mm -mm, we got this. There's no way. We have this great Acropolis. There's no way. It's a big, big giant hill cornered in. You guys understand? There's no way. Mike, you'd have to come over the hill to come and get us. They don't need a watchman. They don't need a watchman. They don't need a watchman. In 549 B.C., Sardis conquered this, conquered by Cyrus and the Persians, they came in. Why? Because they were caught off guard. They weren't watching. They weren't watching. Guys, 300 years later, when the city was conquered again, guess why? Because they still had no guards posted on the walls. They weren't watching. There's an area there in Sardis, guys, where, where you could see tons of buzzards, tons of all this stuff, right? And what they would do is they would take dead people, the ones who didn't have any money to be seen, and they would throw them over the wall. And they just threw them over the wall because the, they would, the people would eat the flesh, right? So they didn't, they didn't put any watchmen there. Do you realize that's one of the areas that they came in and conquered the city? Of Sardis. Now, here's what I want you to write down. Sardis wasn't watching. They weren't watching. You go, why do you want me to write that down? Because I think it's some great application for us tonight to take home. You go, what's that? Listen, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, that says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. He says, be watchful to the end with all perseverance. And supplication for the sins. He's saying, be watchful. Be watchful, guys. Be watchful. With all prayer, be watching. Be watching. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, Paul writes to Timothy, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. 
Pastor Ben, I've got a question. I'm not in ministry. No, you are in ministry. Every one of you, when you gave your life to Jesus, you were called into the ministry. Now, it's not full-time ministry behind a pulpit or at a church, but you're in ministry. And so he says, guys, here's what he says. Be watchful in all things. Be watchful in all things. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. What does that mean? Share Jesus. Lisa Gonzalez texted me the other night. Pastor, I hate to bug you, but somebody just prayed to receive Christ. I said, way to go. Another one snatched out of the pit of hell. I love it. That's what we're here for, guys, to bring people to Jesus. Listen, the enemy's going to attack you. The enemy is going to try to trip you up. The enemy hates your guts. Let's go on the offense. Let's tell everybody about Jesus. Let's tell everybody about you. I got to tell you about my Jesus. Your Jesus is my Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Are you kidding me? Wow. Guys, be watchful. Driving home last night, the clouds, the sunset. Man, I just had to take a picture because I could, I'm just, I know he's going to come in the clouds. Lord, Lord, tonight... I'm ready. I'm ready. The city of Sardis made the mistake, guys, of not setting up watchmen. And I believe the same mistake was made in the church of Sardis. You go, how's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, notice what Jesus says in verse 2. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Now, he just told them they were dead. Hey, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. But he says, but, listen, be watchful, guys. Be watchful. Strengthen those things. Strengthen those things. Things that are, are ready to die. Ready to die. Guys, Jesus addresses this church to watch and wake up. To watch and wake up. Why? Because it was dead. You see, Sardis has been called the fruitless church. The church of spiritual apathy, the dead church, the feeble church, the church with the reputation, but really needing resuscitation. That's what it needs. That's what it needs. Jesus identifies the spiritual condition. He says, I know your works, guys. I know your works. You have a name. You have a name. Everybody thinks you're alive. He says, but inside... You're dead. You're dead. Church, listen to me. Let's be careful. Please be careful to be be so watchful to not have behavior modification. Okay? Behavior modification is that we take the outside and we know how to behave, but the Lord hasn't transformed our inside. He hasn't. Now, again, there's people going, well, I know there's people watching online. I understand. Listen, we need to allow the Lord to to do that transformation in our lives. We need to allow him to do that. And it takes time. But what we have is we have several, like the church here, looked good on the outside, walked around and said, God bless you, sister. How are you? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How you doing? Praise Jesus. Right? Even in our state, we have a reputation for people to say, God bless you. Or have a blessed day. You ever do that? You go by, have a blessed day. And I don't even know if they understand. It's like, you know, it's like being blessed is from God. Have a blessed day. The church of, of Sardis, guys, looked, looked, Outwardly, they looked, man, they looked good, okay? You're driving by, Amanda, you're driving by, and the church is packed. You see cars all over. You go, what is going on there? Wow. Wow. The problem is that they were merely going through the motions, and that's why Jesus said, you're dead. You're dead. Well, why? 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 Because the church was full of hypocrites. 
Now, I understand we have a church of hypocrites. I get it. People go, I don't want to go to church because it's a bunch of hypocrites. Amen. Join the, join the club. But this one, guys, this one was like, a lot of the people in the church of Sardis were like the Pharisees, guys. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs, whitewashed sepulchers. You look very fancy on the outside. He says, but inside you're full of what? Dead men's bones. That's the one thing. Listen to me. I plead with you with all of my heart. That's the one thing we don't want to do is look good on the outside and be dead on the inside. I, we, we don't want that. Do you remember what Paul wrote to Timothy? In chapter 3, verse 5 of 2 Timothy, he said, they had a form of godliness, but denying its power, he said, turn away from such people. Had a form of godliness. So what's the autopsy? What's the autopsy? Well, again, it's in verse 1 and 2. Okay? Verse 1 and 2. You guys, we've read it again. We'll read it again. It doesn't hurt. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things says he, uh, the seven spirits of God, the seven stars, I know your works. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have what? I have not found your works perfect before God. So what happened to this church? Why was it dead? Why was it dead? Well, we're not given much historical background on this church. There's there's a lot. But I think looking from the text, guys, jot this down. We can see three three reasons. Okay, three really bo- reasons. You go, why? You jot this down. Ready? First, the church was living in the past. The church was living in the past. They had become complacent and comfortable and were content on their past reputation. What happens, guys, is that, is that once the church has been there a while, we tend to go, all right, well, we got, we got the chairs full, amen. Amen. We got the chairs full. Amen. And, 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 and then the years go by, years go by, and it's just, ah. But I also wonder how this affects us individually. I wonder how it affects our heart. You go, why? Because I wonder how many of us have become complacent in our walk and comfortable. And I got saved back when I was 17, and, you know, and, and we just kind of get comfortable. But here's what Jesus said. Listen to what he said. He says, I know you have a name that you're alive. And when he talks about that, that speaks of reputation. He says, I know your works, your reputation. They were living on past successes. That's not hard to do. It's not hard to do as a church. And it's not hard to do as individuals. Guys, when we first planted this church, we were in the neighborhood. We were passing out flyers. We were always doing something. And sometimes you just go, okay, we're good. And, and we, we've got to keep that. We, gotta, we, we can't live on those past successes. Number two, and this is, this is something you need to jot down. He says, they allowed sin to creep in. They allowed sin to creep in. Look at verse 4 with me. He says, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in a while, for they are worthy. Okay? What is he saying? He said, they, some of them, what? Some of them became defiled. He said, you have a few that haven't become defiled, but... The majority of you allowed sin to creep in. Complacency always leads to compromise. I don't know what form of compromise it was, but they had become defiled.
Guys, sin stinks. Because it wants to come in and it wants to kill you. And it wants to destroy you. Sin wants to come in and destroy everything in your life, everything that's good. It wants to destroy your emotions. It wants to steal your peace. And we have the tendency, even today, in our country, to laugh at sin. <laughs> just, that's what people do. That's what people do. I think we need to take a moment, guys, in our walks and say, Lord, Lord, is there anything that's defiling me? It's a tough question to ask. It's a tough question to ask. Is anything defiling me? Why? Because because complacency always leads to compromise. And that's probably the third reason. They, they, they begin to compromise in the church. How do I know? Because if you go to Sardis today, which is in modern-day Turkey, you can see where the synagogue was built. It was built next to the Roman gymnasium. You go, so? The Roman gymnasium, because the Romans were really super... Um, prideful about their bodies, they played in the gym naked. And to a Jew, to Jewish people, in the you, you, they, that's, defi- that's defilement. You go, what happened? Guys, the compromise that they allowed is basically this. They decided it would be a good thing to let the world in the church. They, they made the same mistake. They said, come on in. Do you remember when Constantine said, let's let the state marry the church, and all of a sudden, boy, this is, this is kind of, this is kind of what happened. Complacency leads to compromise. Compromise leads to spiritually comatose. They were dead. God, Jesus said, man, you had a reputation of being alive. That's what people think, but you're not. You're not. And I think that's just a good heart check. It's just a good heart check to say, Lord, listen, I don't want a reputation of, man, he's a, he's a pastor, he's a Christian, he's this. I, I just want, I, is everything okay with me and you? I don't want to be satisfied with aimless activity with no life in them. Everything we do in this church, every note that's played, every podcast that's sent out, every child's verse, whatever we do, guys, it needs to bring people closer to Jesus, or then why do it? Guys, I mean, this is... this is. I wonder if Sardis thought, wow, check it out, man. Jesus is writing us a letter. Imagine the shock when they gathered the hearing and, 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 and the apostle John to give them the message. And then they finally heard the words that they were longing to hear and to the pastor of the church of Sardis. And they start thinking to themselves, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we look good, man. We got people. We got everybody going. We, this, is, this is good. Come on, Lord, give, give it to me. Come on, man. Let's go. He says, I know Oh, I just know it's going to, it's going to say that we're alive. He's going to just tell us how wonderful and spirit-filled we are. I know your works. There it is. There it is. He heard about us. <laughs> Jesus, yes. And he says, you have a name that's alive. I told you. Jesse, I told you we were good. We're, we're, this is good. Come on, Lord, give it to me. We're the best in all of Asia. And the Lord says, but you're really what? D-E-A-D. What? What? What's the first thing you think they said? Do you got the right church? Maybe, may, may, maybe that was for, for, for Smyrna. Uh, this is Sardis. We're not dead. 
We have people coming. We're alive. Haven't you heard about us? Guys, if you went to the church of Sardis and asked them if they were alive, they would look at you like you're crazy. Is this a spirit-filled church? Is this, is this a church that's alive? Are you kidding me? Look at what's going on. Parking lot's full. People are full. Children's ministry's full. Man, we got more worship team than we can say grace over? Yeah, are you kidding me? But see, Jesus peered deep into their hearts. Those outside the church in the city, if you were to ask, are they alive? They would drive by going, sir, seems like that church is happening, man. They're, they're always showing up at all the city events. They're always doing all kinds of, they're always helping out. This is so cool. They had a good reputation in the city. They had a name that they were alive, but their perception, that was their reputation. And Jesus said, guys, it's time to wake up. What a great lesson for us. What a great lesson for us. It's the same today, guys. Sometimes there's churches that are very lively, and they make a lot of commotion born out of energy of the flesh. I mean, they're like boom, 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 boom. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 12, he said, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching the cross of Christ alone can save. We mustn't make the mistake, guys, that activity means being alive. We must learn to discern the difference between lively and alive. And alive. A very popular pastor, I won't mention his name, very popular pastor was asked one time on the radio if he thought Jesus was the only way to go to heaven. To which his reply was, I know he's the only way for me, not sure about everybody else. As a matter of fact, I think there's many ways to get to heaven, but for me, Jesus is... He later retracted that when he caught, when he, when he caught, caught a lot of heat. But there's no way. You see, you see, what the church of Sardis began to do is compromise, and here's what they would do. They would, they would be the church that was lively. We would call them the seeker-friendly guys. The seeker-friendly and and you guys know what I'm talking about. Every everybody. I mean, ah. let's put more people in the chairs. What can we do? So what can we do? Um, I don't know. Let's 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 compromise a little bit. Hey Ben, 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 Ben. Listen, listen. If you want to put people in the chairs, maybe you don't teach the Bible. Maybe you you. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Hey, how, how about this? How about we get these rock bands to come in? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. But we're winning people to Jesus, right? So that's right. That's right. Let's just fill them in there. If we get them in there. And see, they started to compromise a little bit. They, they moved away from Jesus is the only way. They moved away from the teaching of the word of God. And they began, this is what's happening in Sardis. This is what's happening in Sardis. Pastor Chuck always told us, don't do that. Because that which you strive to gain, you have to strive to maintain. And so if we do all of these fancy hoop the right, all of this stuff to get people here, then we have to keep it up. That which you strive to gain, you have to strive to maintain. And, and again, this is what's happening. And it's sad that a lot of churches are going that direction. In fact, do you know that 95% of new churches that cropped up in the last five, five years follow this model? You go, what do you mean? Well, they rely on strong marketing, mailing pushes, featuring, I mean, all of these programs. And guys, it's appealing to everyone under the sun to come. But the mistake comes when people say, oh man, this church is alive. 
when in reality, it might just be lively. So where? Where does the life of a church come from? Well, we have to go back, right? Does it come from, does it come from good planning? Does it come from church programs? Does it come from brilliant leadership? Does it come from great theologians? To answer all of these questions, guys, that's no. Listen, I believe you have to have good planning, but that's not where the life comes from. I believe you have to have good programs, but that's not where life comes from. I believe you have to have brilliant leadership, but that's not where the life comes from. Okay, you go, where does the life? The life comes from the word of God. In the book of Acts, it came when the Holy Spirit fell on the church. The Holy Spirit empowering. And here's, here's where we should go, guys. The Holy Spirit, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled to capacity, man. And what would happen is that now you're a church that's alive, not just lively. You see, it's not the acts of the apostle, it's actually the acts of the Holy Spirit. And what we've done, what we've done is the same thing that the church of Sardis did. We said, hey, listen, Holy Spirit, listen, we, we're just going to be busy and we're going to try to invite the church, we're going to invite the world in. We want to really, um, we're going to do all of this stuff, but we've left out the word of God and we left out the teaching of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've left out. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us. It's the Holy Spirit in and through the church. Whenever the Holy Spirit is not influencing a church, that church is going to be dead. Whenever he's not the one in control. makes us want to take a good look and go, okay, Lord, where are we? Are we allowing your Holy Spirit to move? That's a good question. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit in our lives? In our lives, in our everyday life, Holy Spirit, come fill me. Guys, If you're anything like me, you're so busy and you have a list of everything to do that you forget to invite the Holy Spirit and he may have wanted to take that list and throw it away because you had somebody he wanted you to minister to. But we do this. Okay, gotta go. Okay, I gotta run over here and I gotta... Yeah? Hey, you see that person? I wanted you to minister to them. Oh, Lord, but see, I've got a list. I gotta be somewhere. I gotta do something. It was one of the pastors that I admire in the Calvary movement that would say he would go to the hospital to visit a certain person, but he would be open to the Holy Spirit to stop and and pray with other people. He didn't just go, I'm going in. So Ben, I got a question. How can you tell if the church is alive? That's a great question. Two ways. Ready? Jot this down. There will be an absence of strife. What do you mean? Not striving in effort of the flesh and the in, um, well, just the effort of the flesh and the ingenuity of the flesh to keep it going, to keep it growing. We won't be striving. Now, 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 now listen. I'm still asking you as your pastor to invite folks to church because I believe that as they come here, they're going to be fed the word of God. They're going to be taught the word of God. We need to invite people. We need to be, we need to be, we need to tell people, come. It's not COVID, guys. I've seen them all. Invite people. I've seen them all. But we're not going to strive. Not going to strive. Number two, there will be evident of manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit there. In other words, love will be abounding. 
Love will be abounding. Joy will be evident. The presence of peace will be seen, which is the opposite of strife. You know how I know this church is alive? It's because of you guys. How you serve, how you love, the joy you have, the peace you have, that's the Holy Spirit in you. That's the Holy Spirit in you. You go, Ben, what's the second thing? Patience. Patience. A desire to wait on the Lord and be led by the Lord. That's a hard thing to do. I get so convicted, guys. I get so convicted because I feel at times like I'm striving to build the church, to get it going. And I often get discouraged because I'm like, we've been in Lubbock 17 years, and I can tell you there's a lot of people that don't even know we exist. What I need to do is repent and say, Lord, here's the deal. I want to, I want to desire to be led by you and to wait on you. But I'll tell you what's a stronger desire in my heart. My stronger my de- desire in my heart is to stand before God and say, God, I taught them the very best I could. And I don't know why we, didn't, we don't have 200, 300, 800, 10,000. I don't know why, but I do know I don't want to stand before God and say, well, I, I, I fudged a little over here, God. I did this, and we did, and we, we did this, and we did that, and... And then we're, I, I just, I don't want to stand before God. I, I would rather step down than, than stand before a holy God and say, well, we, why? Because I, guys, I know the power of the Holy Spirit. When somebody comes here and they hear the Holy Spirit, they get saved. They surrender their lives to God because that's the thing to do. And sometimes I won't even be talking about that. I'll be talking about something else. I'll say, hey, how many of you want to give your life to the Lord? And people do. And I'm like, wow, that's God. That's God. But here's the deal, guys. Not only do we need to get them saved. Can I get an amen? But we need to teach them, don't we? We need to teach them. Guys, think about this for a second. When... When you have a baby, and the baby comes out, your, your doctor did a great job getting that baby out. Boom, there it is, healthy, ready to go. It would be foolish for you to just leave it there. Okay, well, I did my part. I had a baby. You need to feed them. You need to grow them up. Talia, is it not a joy to see Cordy grow? Just grow, just grow. I mean, just stuff. It's a joy. And that's how it is spiritually. It's a joy to see. That's what John says. Oh, I love it when my people are just are just loving Jesus. Love it. That's really what constitutes an alive church, a church that's alive. This is why Jesus revealed himself to the church the way he did. He says, these things says he, remember, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, you want to be alive. This is, I, I'm the one. I'm the giver of life. I'm the giver of life. Guys, the seven spirit of God, if you're taking note, is a reference, I believe, to the description of the anointing of the spirit that will be upon the Messiah. It's actually found, jot this down, Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, read with me verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the, and the fear of the Lord. 
Guess how many are here? Here we're given, Mike, a seven-fold description of ministry of the Spirit. And he says, what does he say, guys? He says he who holds the seven spirits. Here, he, notice what he says, okay? What's the description? Number one, it's the Spirit of the Lord, right? It speaks of the resources of God. Number two, wisdom. Knowledge applied or proper application of that knowledge, the spirit of wisdom. The who, what, when, where, how's life, right? The spirit of understanding, what is this? It's the, it's the faculty of insight to discern. You know that. You know that understanding. Oh. It's also the spirit of counsel. What is that? The ability to deliberate or judge or have the right words to say. You ever do that? You ever do that? Someone comes and says, hey, man, I need your I need your counsel. And the Holy Spirit is upon you. And and then you walk away going, wow, what did I say? That's amazing. That's God's Holy Spirit. But you're going to only operate of one or two places. Rosa, you're going to operate either from the flesh. Well, let me tell you. I've... Or you're going to operate from the spirit. You're going to operate from the spirit. Okay, let me tell you. It's the spirit of counsel. He says the spirit of might. What's that? That's power and strength. Guys, sometimes I was driving and I look up, and maybe you do this too. How powerful is God? I mean, this is just a, this is just one of the planets. I mean, you know what he's created out there. Well, I'm not sure if God will do it. I'm not sure if he's powerful. He's powerful. He's amazing. We just don't get it, do we? Oh, we have problems here, here, here. I don't know if God can. No, God can take care of that. I highlighted my one-year Bible. Hope you're reading with me. My one-year Bible, that if we had faith as a mustard seed, faith, we don't even have faith of a mustard seed. Jesus said, if you have it, you can say that mountain, be gone, and be gone. So I started singing, because i got to have faith, faith, faith. No, I didn't do that. I'm just kidding. Just making sure you're here. Number six, the spirit of the knowledge, guys. He's the one who knows all things and reveals it to us. What do you mean? Guys, when you open the word and it begins to read you and you're like, wow. Wow. And then he says, think about this. He says, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You know what that means? It's that reverential awe of who God is. Who God is. Now, listen, that's a lot to cut yourself off from. Right? But that's what happens when we begin to walk in the flesh and not the spirit. Why did I drift from God? Why did I drift? Because you began to compromise. You begin to feel complacent. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Me and God are good. Russell, we're good. When was the last time you talked to him? I talked to him like maybe two years ago. We talked. We, he knows. He's God. I'm just, do you pray? Yeah, you know. I, thank you for this food, right? Amen. No, no, no. When was the last time you really just talked? You know, we, we get complacent. And when we get complacent, what happens? We begin to compromise and and we begin to walk in the flesh. Oh, what should we do? Well, if Sardis got invaded because they didn't set up watchmen, then set up watchmen. Guard your heart, guys, from being complacent. Guard your heart from compromise. Guard your heart from compromise. Guys, Sardis. Sardis lost sight of the person of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in his church. They were dead because they moved from a place of critical dependence upon the Holy Spirit. To that I say, Lord, forgive me. Sometimes I feel like I do that. I got this. I got this. Well, I've been, been preaching the Bible for a lot of years. I got now, Lord, God, please. If, if you don't show up, I'm not going to have anything to say to the, to the folks. 
I need to depend on you so much. That's, that's, that's what happened. And they're dead because they moved from a place of critical dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And that's the first step to becoming dead. And that was the problem with the church of Sardis. As well as the problem, guys, with the period in church history that it represents. Okay, the church is not exempt as it relates to this. In fact, if you look at church history, there seems to be a trend, a model, a pattern. Guys, it always starts with, listen carefully, with a man, and that's where it begins, man with a call. And then it moves from there to ministry with a work, and from ministry it moves to a movement. God is doing great things. The problem is it, does, it goes from a movement, and it ends up being a monument, and it doesn't move anymore. See, we want to keep, we want to be called, we want to have ministry, and we want to have a movement, but when it becomes a monument, we can't move it. See, Webster defines a monument as setting up a statue or some sort of structure to keep the memory and event or person alive. And many times that monument becomes something that's larger than life. We always have to be so dependent on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Do you guys remember last week we talked about the Catholic Church all the way up? We said, you know, the, the Church of Thyatira represented church history and the Catholic Church was born. And how during that time the church began to move further and further away from what the Bible was being taught, basically instituting more and more ideas that couldn't be found in scriptures. We talked about them last week. Well, this, guys, is actually the Protestant Reformation that was sparked in the 1380s, right here. It was sparked by an Oxford scholar by the name of John Wycliffe, and and basically who called the Church of England to renounce their teachings that were not biblical. He says, guys, let's get back to the Bible. Guess what they did? They excommunicated him and two of his disciples. As a matter of fact, John Huss and Hugh Latimer were burned at the stake. But their death sparked a stirring and what of this reformation that would begin to burn throughout England, that spark would turn into an inferno. When? When a young monk by the name of Martin Luther was struggling with his theology in Germany. Martin Luther. And what happens is that Martin Luther, guys, he was struggling with everything he read. Struggling. He would lay on his, on his floor, guys, on the cold concrete and cry out to God. God! Cause he just, I don't, I, I don't have time to get into this. But what happened is one of the monks said, hey, hey, Luther, why don't you read Habakkuk? Habakkuk was also a man who wrestled with issues. And what, and what Martin Luther read changed everything. Because he read, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So what's the antidote? The antidote says, be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Guys, let me, let me conclude really, really quickly on this, okay? Because he says this. He says, man, listen, here's what you gotta do. Those things that are, that are, that are dying, he says, um, strengthen them. It's almost the same prescription as Ephesus. Go back. Find that place where you fell. Go back and revive that. Revive that. He says, watch. Watch. Put Set up guards in your heart. And he says, if you don't watch, he says, I am going to come upon you as a thief. What's that reference to? It's the reference to the rapture. 
Remember where it says the Lord's going to come upon us like, like, uh, like a thief in the night? And he says, you're not going to know what hour I will, I'm going to come. So what does he say? In closing, he says, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. The first thing the church needs is that, whether it's dying or dead, is to wake to its condition. The second thing is strengthen what's weak. What does that mean? To stabilize. Stabilize what's weak. Remember the basics. Remember, guys, the simplicity of the Word of God. Hold fast. Cling to what is good. Repent. Change direction. What the Lord is telling us, guys, really, as we, as we finish tonight, are you wax fruit or are you the real thing? Are you wax fruit or are you the real, real thing? You go, Pastor, I, I, where's the Holy Spirit in your life? That's what he wants us to get back to. He wants us to get back to that total dependency of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the Word of God. Something interesting happens, guys, with this. If you were to go to eat at a buffet, I don't know if they have buffets open or not, but let's just say they did, and you decided to try everything on the menu, Mike, you'd walk out of there stuffed, and you say, I'm never eating again as long as I live. Oh, my gosh. Um, right? And you may not eat for the next day or two, just going, man, I've had, that was, whew. That's what we do. We, we stuff ourselves and we're full. What happens with the Word of God is quite the opposite. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. The problem is, guys, is when we put our Bible aside, when we put the Holy Spirit aside, guess what happens? We actually become more malnourished. And we don't even know it. So tonight, let's take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to come back into our heart, back into our lives, to guide us, to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we do ask this tonight. Holy Spirit, we have, Lord, and I, and I say in general, Lord, may, maybe all people watching online, maybe somebody that might listen to the podcast, maybe we have, Lord, asked the Holy Spirit to not be so active in our lives. We've lost that dependence. Lord, maybe we've decided to read really good books and forsake your word. Or maybe, God, tonight we just feel overwhelmed with everything that's going on and we don't know where to turn. But you're so beautiful and so gracious. God, revive us. Help us strengthen what's here, Lord. For I see you're going to do an incredible work. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave an opportunity, I never want to leave a teaching without an opportunity to invite you to Jesus. If by the sound of my voice with your eyes closed, you realize, hey, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. I I don't know if I have a relationship with the Lord or not. As a matter of fact, Ben, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God right now. Well, I have good news for you. You may feel like you're a million miles away, but you're one, you're one, One step, if you will, from coming back to him. And all you have to do is you have to just believe. The beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit inside you right now is is the one bidding you to come home. And so with that, you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I'm sorry for my sin. I am a sinner, God. 
I've allowed it to creep in. I've blown it so much, Lord, but I know that you're God and I know you're so powerful and I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I can't wait to be with you, Lord. I'm, I, just, I, I, just, I just want to repent right now. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to fall in love with you, God. Well, Lord, would you, would you come into my heart? Would you, would you start guiding me and directing me? My thoughts and my actions and my words? Lord, would you be my best friend? Because I choose today to follow you. That's my choice. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.